Our gospel lesson for today will serve as the basis for our sermon. It comes from John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. It's glad, I'm glad that you could be here today. It's, it's really good to see you. We are, are singing a very, very old song today. It's a song that's about 500 years old. And at the end of the verse that we just sang, we sang these words. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. That means knock him down, and the him is the devil. Now, a man named Martin Luther wrote these words, and what he's saying is, the devil can't hurt you. Jesus has won the victory over him, and one little word can knock him down and send him running away. A lot of people have wondered, well, what's that one little word? And some people thought, well, maybe it's Jesus. Jesus is a a good word. Or maybe it's the cross, the cross that Jesus died on to forgive our sins and to defeat the devil. Well, once upon a time, somebody asked Martin Luther, what did you mean by that? And he actually told them exactly what he meant. He wasn't talking about one word. He was talking about one little um, phrase, a little group of words in German. Teufel du Leukst. You like how that sounds? Uh, Teufel du Leukst. In English, it means devil, you lie. I suppose if you wanted to make one word out of it, you could say the word is liar. All the devil knows how to do is tell lies. God says things to us in his word. He says things like, guys, you are sinners. You don't do things right. And he says to us things like, you need a savior. You need someone to forgive your sins. And he says things like, you have a savior. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross to take all of your sins away. But the devil would come and he would whisper in your ear things like, you're not really that bad. You don't need a savior. Other people are worse than you. Other people do more bad things than you. You don't actually need help. Well, those are all lies. And Martin Luther here is saying that if you want to get the devil and his temptations to run away from you, all you got to do is call him a liar. There's nothing he can do about it. Because all he knows how to do is tell lies. 
Today, we're going to ask Jesus to help us listen to the truth of his word, to help us believe that his word is the only source of truth in our life, and to learn to tell the devil that he is a liar and that we don't want to listen to what he has to say anymore. Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us with those things. Dear Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world to be our Savior, to forgive our sins, and to defeat the devil. When he comes and and lies to us and tries to tell us that we don't need you, help us to remember what you say in your word is the truth. Give us the strength to open our mouths and call the devil what he is, a liar, that he would run away and we could cling to you and to you alone. We ask that you'd be with us today as we spend a few minutes in your word. Show us the truth, dear Savior. Show us who we really are, sinners. And show us who you really are, our Savior from sin, death, and hell. It's in your name that we pray, dear Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's kind of hard for me to believe it's been five years already, but you might remember that five years ago this weekend, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of what's often called the the Lutheran Reformation. October 31st, 1517 is widely viewed by scholars as being the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to a door on the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And it's that point in history when many say that's when the Reformation really began. But I think it's fair to say the Reformation never really ended. It's still happening today. And if you study history enough, once you celebrate 500 years of the beginning, I suppose you could find a reason to celebrate the 500th anniversary of something significant in the Reformation every year for the rest of your life. You would just have to study, well, what happened 500 years ago? And then you could say, well, this is the 500th anniversary of that. And we've kind of been doing that for the last five years. I don't know if you picked up on that, but every year we've had an opportunity to look back and say, well, 500 years ago this year, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, this significant thing happened in Germany. We're going to do that again today. And I already referenced it this morning. might be one of the most significant aspects of Martin Luther's life. That on September 21st, 1522, Luther's most significant publication ran on the Gutenberg printing press. His translation of the New Testament into German. Again, I referenced it earlier at the beginning of the service, but I want us to just wrestle with this for a minute. Can, Can you even begin to imagine what it would have been like before September 21st, 1521? I mean, there were Christians, there were people who went to church, there were people who considered themselves Christians, valued God's word, but most of them couldn't read it for themselves. It literally was not printed in a language that they understood. 
The only people who understood the languages in which the word of God had been translated, like Latin, were the church people. Very few knew the Greek that the New Testament was written in or the Hebrew that the Old Testament was written in. And so how'd you know what was true? Well, you had to listen to the church, the, the priests, the bishops, the pope. They had to tell you what was true. They had to tell you what the word of God said, and you just kind of had to believe it. There was nothing you could do to check and see if they were right or not. Well, it just so happened that Martin Luther found himself stuck. In the fall of 1521, he had taken his stand, and he basically said, if you can't show me that I'm wrong... On the basis of what the word of God says, I'm not taking back anything that I've written or taught. And he became an enemy of the Holy Roman Emperor and had the death sentence laid over him. And so some friends hid him away in a castle. And there he sat for about six months. From the fall of 21 to the spring of 22. Starting in December of 21, he started working on translating the New Testament, and he finished the first week of March. Twelve weeks, locked in a castle with nothing but the Word of God. I wonder what that was like. Twelve weeks, no sermons to write, no people to serve, no wife, no kids. He wouldn't be married for three years yet. Twelve weeks, with nothing but a Greek text of the New Testament, reading it and trying to figure out how would I say this in my native tongue of German. Twelve weeks, no distractions. A prisoner of the Word of God. It's hard for me to imagine what that would have been like, but it sounds kind of nice every now and then when things are busy. There's a lot of voices that need attention in my own home, in my church. I think to myself, what would it be like to spend 12 weeks doing nothing but studying the Word of God, captive, a captive audience to God's Word? Luther got to do that, and the church has been blessed. We have this heritage of reading the Bible in our own language. Translation is hard. It's an art to try to figure out, this is what the Greek says, this is what Greek listeners would have heard. How do I say that to people who speak English? But you and I have countless translations to choose from. We have a heritage of having the Word of God in our own language and, like Luther, a heritage of being students of that Word of God. It's definitely something to be thankful for. A lot of people in our world have heard the phrase, used the phrase, the truth will set you free. The question is, what's the truth? There's conspiracy theorists who will use that phrase. The truth will set you free. If only you knew the truth, if only you knew what was really going on, if the wool was pulled back from your eyes and you could see what's being hidden from you, well, then you'd know the truth and the, the, the truth would set you free. A lot of people use that phrase, the truth will set you free. The question is, of course, what is the truth? How do you know what the truth is? How many people who use that phrase know what Jesus says 
right before he says, the truth will set you free. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus uses an interesting word when he says, if you hold to my teaching. The word he uses is the word remain. It's kind of like this picture of his word is a four-walled prison cell. And you lock yourself inside it and there you stay. If you remain within the prison cell that is my word, then you will be my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. One part of that you can understand. This idea that Jesus is the teacher and if you listen to what he says, if you hold on to his teaching, then you get to be his disciples. That, that's logically, uh, that logically flows. But the other part makes no sense to us, especially not as Americans. If you lock yourself inside the prison cell of God's word, then you will be free. What? As good Americans, we, we know that freedom is when someone outside of you can't tell you what to do. Freedom is when you get to decide for yourself what you're going to do. But if you lock yourself inside this prison cell of God's word and you say, this is how I'm going to determine what's right and wrong. This is going to be the only source of truth in my life. Then you would seem to be a prisoner and you would not seem to be free. You probably shouldn't find it all that surprising that the people Jesus is talking to push back. They push back because they thought they were right. And so if they think they're right already, how could they be wrong? And Jesus is basically saying to them who think they're right, you are wrong. Listen again. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? It's hard for me as I read this to, to think, well, if I was Jesus, I, I would just say, you're wrong. You've been slaves before. Just read Exodus. You were definitely slaves before. What are you talking about? We've never been slaves of anyone. The whole narrative of the Jewish life is built around the time when they were once slaves and then they were set free. Jesus, why don't you just point out that they're wrong? Jesus clearly knows better. He doesn't tell them that they're wrong. He doesn't point back to their history. He goes to something far more significant. You and I are living this right now. And like me, you probably can't wait till it's over. We are bombarded with two sides of people who both think they're right and the other is of the devil. And so they come on the TV, the internet, and the one says, I am right and the other is of the devil. And then the one who just got called the devil comes on and he says, no, 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 I am right. And the one who just called me the devil is actually the devil. Well, what do you do when, when two people who both think they're right are trying to point the finger at the other. How do you actually know who's right? How, how do you figure that out? How can one be right and the other also 
be right? Well, logic would say they can't. One, one has to be wrong. So how can we, how can we know? What, what Jesus is saying is if you want to be right in the world, you first have to figure out if you're right with God. If you want to present yourself as a human being who is on the right side of history and who doesn't want to be, then you first have to answer the question, am I right with God? You can't possibly answer the question, am I on the right side of history, if you don't first know the answer to the question, am I right with God? You want to be right with God. They wanted to be right with God. Their problem was that they thought they already were. And they weren't. They were slaves. They thought they were free. But they were slaves to sin. They were slaves to the old covenant. They were slaves to the law which condemns. All they cared about was making sure that they were doing it right. And they thought to themselves, well, if we think we're doing what God tells us to do correctly, if we think we're doing it right, then we are right with God. And Jesus is saying, no. That's not how it works. He goes on to talk about slavery and freedom. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, the people who worked on this particular English translation of the Bible, they were trying to do the very same thing that Martin Luther was doing, locked in a room 500 years ago, translating the New Testament into German. The only difference, their goal, clear English. And they've done a fine job. There's nothing wrong with what's been done in the translation printed for you in your worship folder. But we do lose a few things. There's a word that Jesus uses in verse 35. It would literally sound like this. Now a slave does not remain in the house, but a son remains in the house forever. Jesus uses the very same word that he used to talk about his word earlier. If you remain within the prison cell of my word as your only source of truth, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A slave cannot stay in the house, but a son stays in the house forever. A son remains in the house forever. If you are a slave to sin, you cannot stay. But if the Son sets you free, you can stay, remain forever. There is a part inside of you that wants to think you're doing it right. So many of you here, you've decided to go to church today. And there's a part of you that would like to think, I did it right. I did the right thing. I did the thing that God wanted me to do today. I got up and I went to church. If you think that you get to stay in the house, the kingdom of God, because you did it right today, you are wrong today. 
If you think that because you made the right choice to come to church, that God now smiles upon you and you are his dear son, his dear daughter, and that's why, because you did it right, you are wrong. You are a slave if you think that way. And a slave cannot remain in the house. But if the sun sets you free, you are free. If the sun sets you free, you get to remain. And he has. The whole point of Jesus' work was to endure being treated as a slave. On the cross, the father kicked Jesus out of the house. On the cross, Jesus looked at his son, the one about whom he had previously said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And he turned his back on that same son. Why? Because the father had placed on him your sins and mine, the sins of the whole world. More than that, the Father treated Jesus as though he were the ones to commit our sins. The Father looked at his son on the cross and he saw not a son but a slave and he treated him as such. He kicked him out of the house. He said, you can't stay. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken because of you. He was forsaken because of me. And then he died. Just like every other sinner dies, Jesus, being treated as though he was the sinner, died. Our death. This is why the resurrection matters. He didn't stay dead. The Father raised him back to life. The sins which caused his death are gone. The fact that he lives is the proof. If our sins were still there, he would still be dead. But our sins are no longer there. They're gone and he lives. Death has been defeated. You are free. The Son has set you free. And so be free. I want to make sure you leave here today understanding what Jesus said. He did not say, if you spend more time in my word, then you are truly my disciples. He said, if you remain inside of it. If you leave here today and think, well, I just got to spend more time in God's word, so I'll put it on the calendar 15 minutes after dinner every night. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to read it for 15 minutes. Then we're going to check the box. Did it right. You'd be wrong. What Jesus is saying is leave here today and stay inside his word. May it be the prison cell in which you live. May it impact everything you think and say and do this week. Every decision you make, whether it feels like the biggest decision you've ever made or the tiniest, most insignificant decision you've ever made or anywhere in between, I want you to leave here and and think, okay, I'm inside the word of God. What does the word of God have to say about this decision? Every argument that you're in, and you want to win it, you want to be right, 
Before you try to win, remember you're inside that prison cell that is the Word of God. And ask yourself, what does the Word of God say about what's happening here? What does the Word of God say about me and my role in this argument? What does the Word of God say about the person with whom I'm arguing? Whatever the case may be, and and you all are going to leave here today and you're going to live very different lives in very different situations, in very different places, surrounded by very different people, or maybe for some of you, surrounded by very few or even none until you come back here again next week. Every moment of every day, remain in God's word. Apply it. Use it. Remember what the word of God says about you and about me and remember what the word of God says about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for sinners like us, that he has set us free. And you will realize that being contained within the word of God is really no prison at all. You will find yourself freer than you've ever been because your Savior Jesus tells the truth every time. And so I leave you once again with his words. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen.